Hello, greetings. Thank you for your interest in spiritual matters. Thank you for giving us the gift of spending time together as we explore more of what God has made known in Christ and in Scripture. My name is Ethan, and I work with the Venice Church of Christ. We're a non-denominational church, uh, disciples making disciples, in Los Angeles, California. We want to be of service to you. Please reach out to us. If we can be of any service, uh, if you have comments on what we're talking about today, reach out there in the comments, subscribe to us, and you can find us at VeniceChurchOfChrist.org. We're also available on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. Today we talk about one of the big difficulties of life, because as long as there have been people, and people have been around one another, there has been conflict. It does not matter if the group has been one or two, or one or two million. It does not matter if it's a marriage, a family, an organization, a company, a government, a whole country. Whenever you have more than one human being involved, you will have matters of disagreement. In fact, sometimes even with one human being, you can have matters of disagreement. And it's part of our makeup as human beings. As we can see even from the witness of Scripture, God has made us to be different in many ways. In Romans 12, 1 Peter 4, many other passages. And this difference has its value. We, can, we need to emphasize its value, that we have differing strengths and our different weaknesses mean we can complement one another. But that difference also means that we're going to be able to have differences of perspective and opinion on various matters. And that may well lead to conflict. And it's really not a question of if, but when. Because it doesn't matter how many different points of disagreement we can discover, uh, at some point that's going to lead to some level of conflict. And that's why it's good for us to consider what God has made known about these things and how we can try to handle conflict in ways that will glorify God. Because unfortunately, the history of Christianity is littered with examples of how matters of difficulty and disagreement were not handled well and how God was not glorified, and Satan has very much been able to be powerfully at work in such kinds of divisions and in such kind of partisanship. So what's going on with conflict? Conflict is a striking or dashing against each other, as if two moving bodies in opposition. It's a fighting, combat, contention, a strife, or a contest. And Webster will continue on in that way. And we can see that, right, that uh, striking or dashing against each other. And that there's a clear disagreement on some level regarding something. And that two parties are contending with one another. You've got some kind of conflict going on. Uh, There's even conflict in times if there's one person and another person doesn't even know what's going on. There may be a mental struggle going on with one person regarding another person that uh, the other person has no idea is going on at all. And God has talked a lot about conflicts, and in fact, we can find in the pages of Scripture many examples of conflicts. Uh, And we look at the, it's a pretty consistent witness. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24, Jesus is uh, speaking in his uh, so-called Sermon on the Mount, and he said that uh, you've heard that you're not supposed to murder, right? But he says that if you're even angry with your brother, that you can become guilty uh, as well. And he says that if you have, bring your gift to the altar and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your gift. Uh, showing here the, the great importance. A lot of people think, well, I need to be right with God if I'm going to get right with other people. And we can understand that logic. And there may be circumstances, situations where that might seem right. But as Jesus says here, And we have to remember, he's speaking in Galilee to people who have to go and present an offering in Jerusalem. 
So you can imagine this ridiculous situation in which some uh, member of the people of God who lives in Galilee has made the three or four days journey to Jerusalem to make an offering. Is that the is at the altar? Remembers? Oh man, uh, Ezekiel up there still has something against me. Uh, he's really mad at night because I broke his axe. And so Jesus is suggesting at that point the temptation is, well, I'm just going to offer to God and then I'll go deal with with Ezekiel when I get home. But the idea is that Jesus says here is that he needs to go the three, four days journey back, make things right with Ezekiel about the axe in that circumstance, right? And then come back to offer that offering, which seems ridiculous to us in, in many respects. But I think what Jesus is trying to point out here is the lengths that we should go. If we want to be reconciled back to God, uh, which is, of course, the idea of what's going on in prayer and, and offering gifts, uh, then we need to make sure that we are right with one another and that we can't act like, well, as long as I'm okay with God, everything's okay. That part of being okay with God is is being reconciled, or being okay with your fellow people. In Matthew 18, verses 15 through 17, Jesus has another uh, example uh, of something where there is a place of conflict. But the way that it ends up going down is, is very different. If your brother sins, go and show him his fault when the two of you are alone. If he listens to you, you have regained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others with you, so that the testimony of two or three witnesses every matter may be established. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen to the church, treat him like a Gentile or a tax collector. And so we see here that there's a sin going on. There's actual transgression. This is not just a mere difference of opinion. There's a transgression. And the transgression is exposed to the brother. First, you go in private to try to handle the situation uh, where the brother can save face, or sister, either way. Uh, Again, the goal is reconciliation. The goal is not to hector, to shame, to indict, to feel superior. The goal is reconciliation. And as as Jesus says, if he listens, you have won your brother. But if the brother or sister in in question ends up... um, deciding that they're going to maintain their pride, they're going to act like nothing actually happened, they're going to act as if they're not really in the wrong, uh, then you bring uh, witnesses. And the witnesses are being brought in less to be able to attest to the event that ori- the sin that originally happened. I mean, there's no assumption that there is anybody who's witnessed that original sin. But to witness the recalcitrance of the brother or sister in terms of not wanting to be reconciled. And if they're not going to listen to the group, then it needs to be taken to the church. And if they won't listen to the church, then they are to be alienated from the people of God, to be considered as a Gentile or a tax collector. And it bears emphasis at this point that the challenge here now is no longer the original transgression, although that's still out there. Now it's the recalcitrance and rebellion, the unwillingness to humble oneself, to be reconciled to uh, one's fellow people that is leading to this kind of alienation. Uh, which is is a very important point to remember in terms of such things. An example also in Acts 15 is a matter of what we consider uh, a conflict about the truth of God, uh, whether or not Gentiles need to observe the law of Moses in order to be saved. The apostles and elders in Jerusalem considered the matter. The cases that you can see in Acts 15 made are based upon the scriptures, and what the prophets had spoken of, and the work of God that God accomplished among the Gentiles by the hands of Peter and Paul. And there was a resolution determined by the Holy Spirit, the apostles and the elders, that no, the law of Moses did not need to be imposed upon Gentiles, that Gentiles could become Christians as Gentiles. And as Paul would elaborate in Galatians, Romans, 2 Corinthians, and other passages, that in fact to impose the law of Moses upon a, a Gentile believer is to compel that believer to uh, leave the grace of God become their 
to insist on these ways of the flesh. And therefore, those who would work in opposition to what had been decreed are working contrary to God's purposes and needed to be rebuked. But in a contrast, we have Romans 14, where there is a matter of conflict, where you have whether or not uh, Christians should eat certain kinds of meat, uh, can drink uh, certain kinds of alcoholic beverages, uh, or should say observe a certain kind of day or not. And what Paul says there is that in these cases, uh, Christians can have differing positions and be able to work together because those who eat, eat to the Lord. Those who don't eat, don't eat to the Lord. Those who drink, drink to the Lord. Don't drink, don't drink to the Lord. Those who observe the day, observe it to the Lord. Those who don't observe the day, don't observe it to the Lord. And that they will all stand or fall before the Lord. And this is where he insists that we all, each of us, stand before the judgment seat of God. And he says we must not pass judgment on one another, but rather determine never to place an obstacle or a trap before a brother or sister in verse 13. That if I have a brother or sister who doesn't think that they should be able to eat a certain kind of food, I should not try to impose eating that food on them. Because uh, to do so is to impose, is to compel them to sin against their conscience. On the other hand, if I have the right to eat meat in front of God, uh, somebody who doesn't think that I have the right to do that uh, or wouldn't do that themselves has no right to condemn me. Uh, that's the other side of that. And that's why they're supposed to find ways of working together. In this context, the one who has faith in a given thing is considered stronger in faith about that thing. Those who do not are considered having weak in faith in regard to that matter. And they are to find ways to welcome one another, to glorify God together in Christ, and not to separate or divide, or, as Paul will put it, to um, not destroy God's work for the sake of food and to not destroy a fellow Christian for these things that ultimately should not matter. In Galatians 2, 11 through 14, we have a conduct conflict of Peter's hypocrisy, where Peter, when the uh, was with the Gentile Christians and Jewish Christians in Antioch, would eat with all of them. But when Jewish Christians came down from Jerusalem, uh, he would no longer associate and eat with the Gentile Christians of Antioch, and Paul uh, called him out on that, that, that that was not appropriate. Uh, we also see the issue uh, that was a, a disagreement that led to a parting of ways, where in Acts chapter uh, 16, in 15 and 16, Paul and Barnabas are thinking of going visiting other churches again that they had met with, but there was a big disagreement about John Mark. And Barnabas wanted to bring John Mark along, give him a chance at redemption. Uh, Paul did not want to bring John Mark along since John Mark had left them and did not want to have to deal with that possible uh, point of weakness in their in their uh, their journey. And be, their disagreement became so sharp that they split ways. And Barnabas took John Mark and ended up in Cyprus. And Paul went and took Silas and went back through the churches of Galatia. Uh, and ultimately to Greece, to back to Ephesus, and then back to Antioch at a future point. Um, a lot of people want to make much of these uh, points of disagreement and conflict between Paul and Peter, and Paul and Barnabas. Um, but uh, later on, Paul will find great value in John Mark. John Mark would find redemption in Barnabas. This doesn't necessarily mean, however, that Paul was in the wrong. Uh, and in fact, what we see there in Acts 16 is Apostle model, 1516 model that, you know what, here, here's a situation where two faithful Christians disagree about the best way of moving forward, and they each went forward according to the way that seemed best to them. 
and in, the gospel was proclaimed. I mean, Paul. this is how Paul would end up going further west. Uh, Barnabas continued his work in Cyprus and in other places. Uh, so it sometimes conflicts can be resolved in that way, in ways that uh, people do go their separate ways, but both can still glorify and honor God. But we can see consistently in all of these patterns that most of the time, if there's a conflict, it absolutely needs to be dealt with. Uh, that it that even when we look at what happened with Paul and Barnabas, there is resolution, right? The resolution was they went different directions. It wasn't left unresolved. Uh, but the goal of most of these conflicts in Scripture is a reconciliation. Uh, there needs to be a reconciliation uh, to glorify God. Again, this goes back to what God is doing in Christ. That in Christ, God is reconciling people to himself, uh, individually to himself, and also to one another. That prayer in G- of Jesus in John 17, that we'd all be one with one another as God, and, and be one with God as God is one within himself. And that's why there's so much concern, time and time again, by the apostles in the letters, about these sins and these things that lead to the corrosion and dissolution of relationships and why as Christians we need to be able to manage our disagreements and difficulties in so that we can maintain our unity. This is all part of in Ephesians 4 and verse 3, uh, maintain, preserving uh, the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Uh, it takes effort and work and if we just act like it's just going to naturally happen, we're going to find ourselves extremely disappointed. In all of these situations, uh, we also see the goal to deal with them as personally as possible. When there is a conflict between two people who are people of God, the goal is not to go around them and to speak about to everybody else about it, but instead to be able to have the conversation, to clear the air, to uh, main sh- make sure there's no miscommunication and difficulties, and to find a way to resolve that between these two so that it doesn't have to go any further. And it's not left to simmer and boil over in another time of difficulty. Also, it's worth pointing out that it's not something that the preachers or elders or others are supposed to be dealt with, to deal with it. There may be a time in which it may come to elders in a congregation or to a congregation, but that's not supposed to be the first move. That's not supposed to be the primary move. Uh, The goal is always for reconciliation. And so, when we think about these matters of conflict, how are we supposed to handle matters of conflict when we actually have them come up and we have these matters of disagreement? I think the first thing that we should do is to pray. We see in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, uh, the importance in James chapter 1, 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7. We need to pray. Because God cares for us and wants us to cast our anxieties on Him and to seek after His wisdom. That we need to, if we have the feeling that we, we have in a disagreement or we're in a conflict with another Christian, we need to take that matter before God and pray for his wisdom, pray for his guidance and insight, pray for direction. We also be willing to pray for humility and a spirit of understanding and, and with the goal of reconciliation. Um, and we need to be able to talk to God about that openly and freely so that God can provide us with the wisdom that only he can. And what's really important, again, is that humility, gentleness, respect to win over our brother. Because that's, that's really the incredibly important thing about this and is always the goal. The goal always needs to be reconciliation. 
we always need to check ourselves and challenge ourselves. Is our goal reconciliation or are we just trying to prove ourselves to be in the right, to be the one who uh, is correct or the one who can maintain their pride in the circumstance? Uh, in relationships, there's a reason why it is said you can either be right or be in relationship. Uh, it's, it's not important enough for us to be right. The goal is to find ways forward for reconciliation. When we have prayed, we also might need to seek counsel. Now, when we talk about seeking counsel, this is not an invitation to gossip or to slander. This is a recognition that a lot of times we may not know the best way of handling a circumstance, or we might need uh, to, to check ourselves. Uh, is this a matter that I am seeing clearly on? Is this something that should be addressed? And how is the best way of addressing that particular conflict? Um if you can talk about it in ways of generalities that uh, would make not allow a person you're talking to to be able to, to recognize who you're talking about, you might be able to seek that counsel from members of your local congregation uh, that you respect and believe have the wisdom to help you with that. If you cannot do that, uh, that is where maybe it would be helpful to talk to a fellow Christian who is not part of your local congregation, who may not know anybody involved. Uh, to be able to speak on a best way of dealing with that particular situation. Uh, you can ask them about what about what's going on, the way you understand it, and, and, and the best way forward. And seeking counsel in these matters is very important. And then we also need to think about the, the nature of this conflict itself. And what what is the conflict? What is this disagreement? What is the issue going on here? You know, we can see here that there's a wide range of things. Uh, is this a matter of a, of a disagreement about what God has made known in Christ? Uh, is it the kind of thing like what we see in Acts 15, where somebody is, is compromising the witness of, of what God has done in Jesus? Uh, or is it a matter like Romans 14, where it, it, it's a matter where both can glorify God and how they're doing things? Uh, is it a matter of interpersonal stuff? And what is the issue in the interpersonal stuff? Is, is it a particular thing that happened? What's the issue behind the issue? Because uh, that's what's often going on here. Uh, this is especially something we can see in marriage relationships, but of every relationship, that it's very rarely the issue, the catalyst, there's a catalyst issue, right? Which kind of breaks open the disagreement or the difficulty, but uh, it's stemming from something else going on. Uh, this is where we talk about the proverbial uh, carpet in the church building, right? Where there are congregations that are divided over which carpet color should be used in the church building. And, of course, the issue was never the color of the carpet. The issue was you had a group of people who, two groups of people who had to have their way. One group got their way, the other group didn't. And that led to division. And so it's not about carpet color. It's about the unwillingness to compromise, the unwillingness to allow others to, uh, to be able to have their way. Uh, it's a gross violation of Philippians 2, 1 through 4 and Ephesians 4, 1 and 2. Um, so that's something that we need to keep in mind. We need to have a good understanding of what the issue is, uh, what the actual issue is, not just what catalyzed uh, the particular disagreement that's going on. There are times where we are told in Scripture, in Galatians chapter 6 and James chapter 5 in particular, that the benefit of bringing back a brother who has transgressed, right? Uh, but what's interesting in Galatians chapter 6 is that right after uh, Paul encourages Christians to be able to you know, restore the one who has fallen away, uh, he also says, pay close attention to yourselves that you are not tempted as well. 
verse 3, For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Let each one examine his own work, then he can take pride in himself and not compare himself with someone else, for each will carry his own load. Yet in verse 2 he had said, We must each carry one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. And there's all kinds of, of, of strangeness in that passage, because what he's really saying is, you need to absolutely correct those who have strayed. I mean, you've seen what's going on in Galatia, right? However, it's not a matter where we act like, well, I, in my esteemed greater knowledge, am here condescending to you. No one's going to be won over that kind of attitude. And that kind of attitude is going to eventually lead to sin, because it's a prideful attitude. It's an attitude where that person is, is there's going to be something where that person's wrong, and they're not going to be willing to see it. Uh, that's why Paul's exhortation is to check yourself and to consider yourself, to consider lest you too be tempted. Where when we are addressing one another's matters of sin, we have to be very careful about it. We have to first consider ourselves. Uh, and if we have come to the conclusion that this matter is of significance enough that needs to be addressed, we definitely need to consider ourselves. What, are, what is our goal? Are we really trying, of course we're going to tell ourselves, right, that we are trying to win the other person back, but is that really what we're after? Is that really what we're trying to do? Or are we just trying to be right? Are we trying to prove that we are superior or better? Because that's just never going to glorify God. Are we being humble servants of God, seeking to encourage each other to work in God's kingdom? Or are we being judgmental hypocrites? Are we trying to insist on our own way? Are we trying to benefit our faction or partisan group against some other faction or partisan group? Uh, there's a whole lot of questions that we have to ask ourselves in this moment about what our motivations are and what we're really trying to do. And that requires prayer, and that requires counsel, so that we are doing this the best way possible for the right reasons, and to know that in this process we might well get maligned because of the discomfort and the, and the exposure that we might be doing because we've done that work and the person that we're addressing may not have done that work. But we can't presume that either. The other person may have done that work as well. And we're supposed to think the best of one another, and that can become problematic and a challenge at this time as well. And then it comes to the actual approaching of addressing the conflict. And we need to be willing to do this. Again, it, it, a lot of people are tempted to just not deal with it. And the problem with not dealing with it is that it, it lets it fester and you start keeping lists of all the things somebody's done wrong against you. And at some point, you're just going to blow. And that's not going to be healthy. And it's going to show that you've not maintained the, your integrity in this matter. You've not maintained the kind of attitude towards your brother or sister that you've, you're supposed to in this matter. And it's not going to go well. That, But yet, when we handle conflict, and this is the big thing. When we actually approach somebody about something, this is where the rubber meets the road. And this is where things tend to go badly. Because it's very hard to do this well. Because it's so easy for us to get into this judgmental mode, into argument mode, into combat mode. And in all of these ways, we might win the argument, but we will lose the person. And so again, what are we trying to do? We're supposed to be reconciling one another to God and Christ. And what that might mean is that we have to uh, be willing to approach somebody in profound humility. And that profound humility... Uh, we need to be willing to admit where we have gone wrong. We must submit and say, hey, this is the way I see the situation. Um, what's going on? 
what the issue is, uh, to be able to let the other person respond. Maybe the situation is a misunderstanding. Maybe there is an actual substantive situation that needs to be addressed. Uh, but if we do it in a way that we show our own fault and our own difficulties, if we're willing to concede our own matters of difficulty, and also, of course, a lot of this is going to depend upon the quality of the relationship we have with the person with whom we're talking. Uh, and we also should be aware of possible power dynamics. This is going to be something where we just can't expect somebody who has a low power valency in a group to be able to just address somebody with higher valency. Uh, you can't expect a teenager to address uh, an older man, for instance. Uh, you can't necessarily expect uh, a woman in certain circumstances to address certain men in certain circumstances. Um, that sometimes there, it, it, everybody needs to have a good dose of humility about it, and the challenge is, of course, that nobody likes being wrong. Nobody likes being confronted with disagreement. Nobody likes being corrected. Nobody likes that shaming, humiliating feeling that even if you have gone out of your way to be as humble as possible and to be as non-judgmental as possible and to have the spirit of reconciliation and love at work, you're still gonna, that person's still going to have those feelings. We need to speak with jealous respect in Gola in First Peter three sixteen and First Corinthians thirteen. We need to be doing this out of love, and that that needs to be reflected, and that we need to remember that we are speaking to Christians, the people of God, of equal worth and value in God's sight, that we're no better or worse than they, and to thus treat them appropriately. And that's when we can talk and with this person or these people and hope that there will be reconciliation. It may go better than we think, and maybe there's just been a lot of misunderstandings and the air can be cleared and uh, people can work together. Um, but there are a lot of times where it that's just not going to happen and people are not going to be able to um, find a place of agreement on something. And so then the next question is, what what next? And again, this this requires the same process we've already talked about, where we have to go through and kind of sort out exactly how we should handle these situations. Uh, is it a situation kind of like Paul and Barnabas, where there's just going to be a mutual parting of the ways to each try to glorify God the best they can? Uh, is it a, a situation where there might just be a time where you have to endure in the group? where there's unresolved tension. You never want unresolved tension. It's never good and healthy. But one person may try to resolve it, another one may not want to try to resolve it, and it's a matter that's not worth pursuing any further uh, because it's just going to provoke tribalism, partisanship, or, or even worse consequences. Uh, and again, depends again on the matter of the infraction and the matter of the difficulty at hand. Um, if it is a matter of sin, like we saw with Matthew, the Matthew 18 type story. Uh, if somebody has sinned and they refuse to admit that sin or recognize the sin, then the next step of Matthew 18 next to be taken, and you may have to take it to witnesses. Uh, it may need to be taken to the church. And again, if they will not listen, they need to be marked, disassociated from, alienated from God's people. Not because we don't love them, not because we want to judge them sharply or harshly, but because what happens when people refuse to recognize the wrong that they've done? and the fact that they will not humble themselves to be willing to see their own challenges and difficulties. Uh, there's not much that can be done with those people, and they will very likely be causing divisiveness and, and difficulty in other contexts, and, and, and they need to be addressed appropriately. Um, and we have to remember that all of us in the end are going to be judged by God and Christ for what we have done in Romans 14 and verse 12. 
So conflict, unfortunately, is going to happen. And by the way, uh, part of our discomfort is that there's going to be all kinds of conflicts. And the presence of conflict doesn't necessarily always mean that there have been a lot of sinful people or that you have failed. Anytime you have a group of people coming together, there's going to be, uh, at one point, kind of a higher level of expectation, high level of energy, and then reality is going to set in, and you're going to have conflicting expectation, conflicting desires, and the group's going to have to work through and manage that conflict, manage those expectations, if it's going to be able to pull together to work through and to become a functional, uh, high-action, high-energy group. It's just part of the process, and we have to become more comfortable with that discomfort, with the fact that there's going to be these points of conflict, just because you have different people involved. Uh, and to really have to think about what's going on with conflicts, to be willing to have the discernment to see these things aren't wor- these are, are hills not worth dying on, according to the proverb. Uh, these other matters are matters that need to we mean to draw us firm lines on and to uphold in order to maintain integrity before God. And to do all of that in a spirit of humility and to be willing to be corrected in our understanding, to be willing to be challenged ourselves. And as we can see, this is all very difficult, right? These are all very difficult matters. And this is the essence of Christianity and the Christian attitude. This is why Paul tells us in Ephesians 4 that we need to tolerate one another, to put up with one another, forgive one another, to love one another if we are going to give diligence to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. This is why Paul tells the Philippians that they will make his uh, joy complete if they have the mind of Christ, if they are willing to seek the interests of others over their own interests. Um, to love one another, to care for one another. This, this is where the rubber meets the road on that. Uh, it's very easy when everything seems to be going well to work together. It's when you have these disagreements and conflicts that we really see, is this a group of people seeking to glorify God and love and humility, ultimately working toward the reconciliation of all people with God in Christ, or are we have a bunch of people who'd have to be right and are, will judge and, sh- and condemn and cut people off in their anxiety and security so they are seen to be in the right? That's why it's so important for us when we manage conflict to try to do so in ways that glorify God. It's incredibly difficult, but it's the only way forward if we are going to truly be reconciled to God. And we hope and pray that we are able to do this in a way that glorifies God. Let us go to him in prayer. Father, hallowed be your name. We're so thankful for all the blessings you've given us, for the love and care, provision you've given us in Jesus. Uh, for the, the spirit and the word, and for the, the group, the ability to work with one another in your kingdom. We're mindful there are many who are ill, and we pray that you would heal them, that there are many in pain, distress, and grief, that you would comfort and strengthen them. Uh, We pray for those who are in uh, danger, that you would preserve them, and that you would provide for all those who are in need. We are so thankful that you have uh, bought us with the price of the blood of your Son, and that we are uh, all brought together, baptized into one spirit, into one faith. And we pray, Father, for the strength, the wisdom, the insight, the humility, the love, the spirit of charity and forgiveness to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace and to provide us with that uh, wisdom and insight and strength to do the right thing in the right way to your glory and honor. And we pray for the forgiveness for those times we have insisted on our own way, when we have spoken too sharply and thoughtlessly, when we have spoken out of our fear and insecurity more than out of our confidence and faith in you. 
and that you would give us the hope and grace and wisdom to do better in the ways that we address matters of difficulty and conflict, that you would be glorified. And we look forward to the return of your son, Jesus, and for the ability to share in the resurrection of life in him. And we pray these things in uh, his name. Amen. Again, so glad that you've joined us. If you have any questions or conflicts, yes, even disagreements about anything we've talked about today, please let us know in the comments, subscribe to us. And if we can give you any service, please reach out to us at venisherechrist.org. We again thank you. Have a great day.